I've told you this story before, but I like telling it to you. My son came to see me a few weeks ago and said, Dad, could you lift up the sofa? He happens quite a lot because he's forever hiding his sister's toys underneath the sofa. And I said, of course I can. And he ran off, went, wow. And I thought, that doesn't sound quite right. And a few days later, he ran into the house and said to his school friend, my dad can lift the sofa up all by himself and hold it above his head. And he's never asked me to do it because he believes I can do it because he believes that I said I can do it. My kids are teaching me about faith all the time. They take my wife and I at our word. My daughter had parents' evening on Thursday. It went well. <laughs> it went well. Thank you, Shai. She's a girl. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. My son doesn't have parents' evening. <laughs> it's like probation. No, it's not really. Um, <clears throat> but my, my wife said, well, you can have a reward. So you can choose today's Thursday, tomorrow, Friday after school, you can go to your favorite restaurant and we'll get you some food. So by the time I got home on Thursday, the victory celebrations were on. She was saying to her brother, well, I'm going to have this. And he was saying, and I'm going to have that. And then to me, they were saying, daddy, this is what we're going to have tomorrow. They went to bed, confessing what they were going to have the next day. They woke up the next morning. All they were thinking about was, at the end of school, we're going to... No product placement here. But they were confessing and speaking out and dreaming together about what mum had promised them. Because they knew if mum had promised them, it was going to happen. They didn't believe mum when they arrived at the Temple of the Golden Arches. They believed her the moment she spoke. And my wife is a good mother, but our Heavenly Father is an even better father. And so when he speaks, we can believe him and trust him. All the honor of his name backs up his word. So the moment he speaks, it's as good as done. You know, God wants us to enter into his promises before we see the fulfillment. You might be sitting in this room this morning with pain in your body, but the covenant word of God to you as a believer is by his wounds you have been healed. And he wants you to know that with certainty, even while those symptoms are leaving your body. You might be unemployed here this morning, but the word of God promises you work. Because God's covenant promise to you is that through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So you need to be blessed so that you can be a blessing. So we can taste of the powers of the age to come today. We can know that because Christ has already entered into victory, the church which is his body will likewise do the same. Amen. Amen. And God has spoken to this church true words about our future. He has told us many, many things over many, many years. And in the last few years, we've been bringing to our attention again and again promises he's made to us through prophetic word. He's told us that we will be a community who are pivotal in a move of his Holy Spirit in the earth. He's told us that we're a people who are able to reach this city, who can reach the nation, and who can reach the ends of the earth. 
I am not phased by that promise because it is not based upon our ability or our strength. It's simply based upon the fact that he said it. Why would he say that to us? I don't know, but he did. So I'm not going anywhere until I see that word fulfilled. He's told us we're a people who will be able to reach this city, to reach the nation, and to reach the ends of the earth. You are a world player. Did you know that? One of my friends went to hear Ban Ki-moon, the Secretary General of the United Nations, speak last weekend. And I thought it was a privilege for him to have her in the audience. Do you understand what I've just said? Good. The Lord has told us we are going to be a people of prayer. He's promised us deliverance and health and protection. He's promised us that he has plans to give us success, to help us overcome, that we would achieve more than we could ever ask or think. And all of those promises are true. At the beginning of this calendar year, it seems so long ago, doesn't it? He promised us that this year would be a year of growth, advancement and expansion. And he told us that he wanted the, uh, the testimony of tomorrow to be our confession of today. So that we speak in line with his word now before we see it. Because, because he said it, it's going to take place. James, you're making very confident statements. No, I am just boasting in the Lord. None of these things are my idea. <laughs> He's promised us that people who've desired to have children will have children both spiritually and physically. He's promised us that businesses that were contracting will expand. And he's promised us that every member of this community will bear fruit that remains. Every member of this body is a winner of souls for Christ. That's true. That's true. And therefore, the confession of my today is the testimony of my tomorrow. So when I look at you, I see someone who is a winner of souls. I see someone who is prospering in everything that they do. I see someone who is going to be a spiritual parent and a natural parent. And that's how I pray for you. That's how I talk with you. That's how I think about you because that's how God sees you. You say, James, I don't feel like that. Well, it doesn't really matter because that's the truth. Feelings come and go, but the word of God remains forever. (laughs) He said it, but Lord, I don't feel like a soul winner, but you are a bearer of fruit because he says so. The Lord says to Gideon, I'm with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, I think you dialed the wrong number. But the Lord says, no, I've declared you to be a mighty warrior. That's who you are. So this morning, I want to talk to you about how to keep yourself ready to achieve all that God wants you to achieve. And I want to take you to a scripture in Joshua chapter 14, because God has great things for you to enjoy and inherit. And if you've been in this church for any length of time, we know, you know that we've taught you consistently about the power of faith, believing God's word, and we've taught you about the power of confession which means speaking in line with God's word. How many of you know that confession has nothing to do with saying amen at the end of a preacher's sentence? Because confession does not begin with speaking in the mouth. 
confession begins with believing in the heart. And so very simply, in your, your week, whenever you hear the word of God, you will agree with it. Whether it comes from me now, whether you're, as you're reading it on Monday morning, whether you're walking it out on Tuesday, when you're with your life group on a Wednesday, whenever you hear the word of God proclaimed, because you're a man of faith, a woman of faith, you can't help but agree with what you hear. Confession is simply saying what God says. So I've titled my message this morning, How to Get to Hebron. How to Get to Hebron. Because we're going to read about a man called Caleb who received a promise from God that he would inherit the mountain of Hebron. And 45 years later, God fulfilled that promise. The 45-year delay was not Caleb's fault. But Caleb kept himself ready and prepared, passionately pursuing God's purpose so that when the moment of fulfillment came, he was ready. Caleb was one of the 12 spies sent out into the land of promise by Moses. You can read about it in Numbers 13 and 14. He was the leader of the tribe of Judah. And he was sent out to spy out the land that the Lord had promised he was going to give them. And they were to bring back a report. And they were in the land for 40 days. And as he looked around, he looked around and said, God's going to give us this land. There's a giant over there, but he's a pygmy in God's eyes. We'll take him. Look at those grapes. Can't wait to get back to tell my family about this. Can't wait to win the land. And so he's ready to bring his report back that they can take the land. And then 10 of the men say, the land's great, but the people are big. And if we go in, we can't win. Caleb says, no, 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 no. God is with us. We can surely do it. But the people believed the bad report. And the people not only then began to believe that they couldn't take the land, they believed that God wanted to kill them. And they believed the best thing that they could do was to appoint a leader to go back to Egypt, where they'd been slaves. And God said, only Caleb and Joshua who went into that land will go into the land. And you'll have to wait 40 years to do it while this generation of unbelief dies out. And so we meet Caleb now at 85 years old. And if you have in your mind that an 85-year-old is like that sign, that, that insulting sign we see warning you that elderly people are coming on the road with a stick and then bent over, that's not what an elderly person in the scriptures is like at all. In fact, it says in Psalm 92 that the old will still be bearing fruit, declaring the Lord is my rock. Abraham was still having children into his 160s. Don't claim that promise to anyone, okay? Well, you can if you want to, but, you know, don't come and see me. But you have to understand, faith will keep you young. And the Spirit will keep you young. Age is not a number, it's a mindset. Joshua 14, verse 6 says, now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, you know not what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. 
So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Great story. Caleb was a man who believed God and lined his whole life up with what God said and with what he'd seen. You see, what God had promised Caleb was not a distant thing, wasn't an abstract promise. God had promised him a mountain that his feet had walked upon. He'd been in the land for 40 days. He'd walked around that land for 40 days. He'd seen the hill country. He'd seen Hebron. He'd even seen the giants that would get in his way. But he knew that's going to be mine. The land of the feet. The land had touched his feet. He'd drunk from the water of the brooks. He'd eaten the fruit of the land. In other words, he had entered in to something. He'd had a foretaste of an age to come, and it whetted his appetite for more. You know, what God has promised you is not some far-off, distant thing. It's something that he's already called you to enter into. You see, we're not caught by what we've seen. We're caught by what we've entered into. We have tasted of the powers of the age to come. Finney's testimony this morning that Jesus healed him is, is based on this fact. That Jesus, 2,000 years ago, died for our sins and died for our sicknesses and was raised from the dead and has made a covenant with all who put their trust in him that he will forgive your sins and heal your diseases. And in the age to come, there will be no more sin and no more sickness. So every time we see somebody healed, we're seeing a demonstration of the age to come breaking into the now. God has put something in you today that guarantees your inheritance. It's not an angel. It's not a concept. It's not a theory. It's a person. The fact that the Spirit of God lives in you is the down payment guaranteeing your inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1, the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in you today is God's deposit to you that you will one day receive everything he's promised. Holy Spirit isn't just here to give you goosebumps. He's the person who's going to enable the church to achieve the purpose of God in this generation. He's the dunamis of God. He's the one who has already enabled you to be a powerful witness unto Jesus. The moment you received the Spirit, you became a powerful witness to Jesus. You don't need to ask God to make you one. He's already made you one. So confess what you are now. And the world is waiting for you. 
So what God has promised you, he's already given you a foretaste of. Yeah. When he gives you his word, it's not a long distance telegram. He imparts something of himself to you whenever he gives you his word. Jeremiah chapter 1 says that God is watching over his word to perform it. You know that promise from God that you have that only he and God, you and God know about? The one when the chips are really down, the one you bring back to him. Do you know he remembers that much better even than you do? Do you understand? The God who made you that promise who is, is watching over that promise because he's going to fulfill it. You think, James, I've been waiting 30 years to be healed. My dear friend, the Lord is watching over his word. But God called me to serve him and all the obstacles around me are telling me that's never going to happen. But if the Lord made you a promise, my dear friend, he is watching over that word. Why? Because he's going to perform it. I have been waiting for 15 years for my son to come back to the Lord. But the promise of God is that you and your household will be saved. And you are watching and waiting at the gate, but the Lord himself is watching even closer. Don't think that we remind God of his promises because he has amnesia. We remind God of his promises because it shows him that we believe him. Don't think that my wife was forgot that she was going to take our kids to McDonald's. It's okay, it's okay. There are other burgers available. But don't think she'd forgotten just because the children kept reminding her. The fact that they were reminding her showed her that they were excited about what she promised. If you're never bringing back to God remembrance of what he's promised you, it tells me that that promise doesn't really mean very much to you. I am constantly reminding God of things he's promised me. Do you know why? Because the Bible says in Isaiah 62, you who give the Lord no rest, (laughs) keep on at him until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. God is going to make the church that is Jerusalem not the city, it's, an, it's, it's the church. I want to be clear. It's not the city in Israel, it's the church. God is going to make the church the joy of the whole earth. And he's going to keep hearing from you and me until he does it. We're not going to give up on that promise, are we? <laughs> Even if it's half term, we're not going to give up, are we? So I want to give you some really simple keys this morning that are going to keep you not going, they're going to keep you overcoming. They're going to keep you moving. They're going to keep you living by faith because you're not going to have to wait 45 years for your Hebron. In fact, for some of you, Hebron is today. Some simple things. The first this. Caleb learned to live by the word of God, not by the words of men. Learn to live by the word of God, not by the words of men. Look at verse 6 of Joshua 14. You know, Caleb says to Joshua, what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. You know what he said about us, don't you, Joshua? Of course you do. Because you and I have been living on that word for 40 years. He was, every day he woke up. Now listen carefully. In the natural, he was in a wilderness. But in his heart, he was already in Hebron. He was eating the manna. But really, 
he was already thinking about the grapes of Eskel. Every day. That's why he kept himself strong. Because he knew, I've got to keep myself strong, I've got to keep myself active, I've got to keep myself healthy, because one day, I'm going to bring a kick into three giants. And you know, God let those giants live for so long, so that Caleb could go and defeat them. (laughs) He learned to live by the word of God, not by the words of men. Build your life today on the word of God, not on the words of men. The teacher may say you'll never amount to anything, but God says, I, you are my workmanship and I created you to do good works. The doctor says, I'm sorry, sir, you'll have to live with this condition the rest of your life. But the word of God says, by his wounds you have been healed. The media would say, well, the church is losing influence in the Western world. The church is becoming more and more of irrelevance. But Isaiah chapter 2 says, in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord, which is the church, will be the most significant group of people on the face of the earth. Do you really believe that, James? That is why I am alive. Because we're going to see that. So learn to live by the word of God, not by the words of men. Here's the second thing. These are simple things, but if you do them, you'll stay strong to inherit the promises. The second thing is this. Keep your heart right towards all people. We have people come and go. We have people say good things about us. We have people say bad things about us. We have people who receive the gospel when we preach it. We have people who reject the gospel when they preach it. We have people who speak well of this church. We have people who speak badly of this church. Do you know what? Keep your heart right towards all people. That's what Caleb did. How do I know? Look at verse 7. He says this, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. Ten men cost Caleb 45 years in Hebron. But he calls them my brothers. Ten men kept Caleb waiting 45 years. And yet all he has to say about them is this. My brothers. There wasn't an ounce of bitterness in his heart. There are people who may well have held you back, people who may well have kept you down, people you feel have wronged you. Do you know what? Don't hold anything against them. Forgive them. So that when you speak about them, all that comes out is this, my brothers. In the last three months, I've been amazed at some conversations I've had with people where they have brought grievances to bear where they have shared with me grievances, where they have taken offense against people on behalf of other people, where a tiny, tiny issue, because it's not been dealt with, because it hasn't been confronted, has become a massive stumbling block for people in the kingdom. How sad. Learn to keep your heart right towards all people. Forgive quickly. Confront diligently. Speak the truth in love. Don't be thinking about people who are, who've gone or people who are speaking ill. Just focus on what God has called you to do. We will focus on what God has called us to do and we're going to reach Hebron. We could spend the rest of our lives on social media watching out for what other people are doing. Why waste your time when the sun's shining, folks? You're only going to get old looking at a blue screen, but the 
God has called us to get out into this world, to reach this city for him, and that there would be something in this city that the city has never, ever, 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 ever seen. That's why I can confidently say the best days of this church are yet to be. I also know that because John Masters told me that on Thursday. And he's right too. Learn to live by the word of God, not by the words of men. Keep your heart right toward all people. Here's the next thing. Don't give in to fear. Look at verse 8. My brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Everybody around him was afraid. But Caleb said, the Lord's told us we're going to take it, therefore we're going to take it. The whole environment around him was one of fear. But he spoke a word in Numbers 13 and said, we can take the land. Don't give in to fear. Fear is the enemy of your faith. Perfect love will drive out all fear. Don't be afraid. You do not need to be afraid of failure. You don't need to be afraid of making a mistake. You don't need to be afraid if the elders phone you. (laughs) You don't need to be afraid that God's out to get you. He's not. Don't give in to fear. Verse 11. Keep yourself strong. Verse 11 says, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. I have this image in my mind of, you know, Caleb through the years running around the camp. (laughs) You know, he sees another one of his, you know, contemporaries, you know, being buried and kind of, okay, there's another one gone. (laughs) Press-ups in the morning, you know, wrestling with his grandkids. Because he understood that he, he had to do everything necessary to be ready for his destiny. Let me give you an example. If God has told you that you're going to go to foreign countries to preach the gospel, you need to learn the language now. God promised you that you're going to get married one day. You need to look after your body now. Don't do anything with your body that your future spouse may not approve of. God's told you you're going to be influential in a particular area of society. Get yourself trained now. Caleb didn't think, well, I'll start doing the press-ups when we get into the land. He was getting himself ready every day. Why? Because his destiny was on the inside of him. You know what God's called you to do. You know the promises. Do you know how I know you know? Because as I'm talking to you this morning, they're inside your chest beating like a drum. So what are you doing to keep yourself strong? Because before you know it, your inheritance is going to be upon you. Is your house big enough to have all the people in that you want in your church in the home? Your life group, whatever we call it. Are you trained enough in the scriptures to take all the new believers that you're praying for through the word of God to disciple them? Are you ready at a moment's notice if the Lord calls you to go to that foreign country you've been praying about since you were 15? My friends, your future needs to be in your thoughts now. Otherwise, we're just living in dreamland. God hasn't caused you to live in dream. He's caused you to live in vision. (laughs) So excited to be part of the same church as you guys. Keep yourself strong. And the next one is this, verse 12. Maintain a confession of faith 
at all times. Caleb had hundreds of reasons to give up in the next 40 years, but he maintained a confession of faith at all times. Listen, we could all come up with 15 million reasons why this or that's not going to happen. We could all come up with 10 things that we could be doing better. We could all have a list of criticisms. But base your life not upon criticisms. Don't base your life upon your feelings. Base the confession of your faith upon the word of faith. Look at verse 12. Give me this hill country that the Lord promised me. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, just as he said. I love that. I love the fact that Caleb didn't pretend that the giants weren't there. Because faith doesn't ignore circumstances. Faith acknowledges the impossibility of the circumstance and then you're a candidate for a miracle. He looks at the giants, he looks at the cities and he doesn't wilt. Instead he rises and says, I'm going to drive them out because God said I'm going to drive them out. Every person who is an overcomer has to win victories against the odds. Jonathan had to win a victory against the odds. He was the only man in Israel who was using the weapons. And he and his friend won a victory against the Philistine army. David was the only man brave enough to fight Goliath. Goliath looks at him and says, you're just a little boy. And David says, I'm coming at you with the name of God. You're going to be fed to the birds today. So maintain a confession of faith all the time. So we're going to come back to this one because many people are crippled by their confession. Many a man or woman receives the promise from God on a Sunday and cripples it by their confession on a Monday. If God has told you your business is going to expand, don't confess that it's, it's not going to. If God has told you that you are going to bear fruit for him and that fruit remains, never confess that you can't lead people to Jesus. You're crippling yourself. But the men who inherited the promise, the men who got into the land, Joshua and Caleb, were men who had learned to speak in line with God's word. Maintain a confession of faith at all times. Here's the next one. I think this is a big one for many of us in our lives. Celebrate when others succeed. I love it when other people succeed. Do you notice the confession I just made? I lo- Do you know, even when I don't feel like it, I love it when other people succeed. Okay? Uh, some people here this, the, in this church have been promised children. You're not all going to have the baby on the same day. So some people are going to be waiting longer than others. But you can celebrate when others succeed. Because you know that if God's done it for them, he'll do it for you. How do I know Caleb lived this way? Well, we'll do some simple maths. Caleb was 40 when he went to spy out the land. They were kept in the wilderness for 40 years. So he was 80 when they went into the land. And yet he says here to Moses, I'm 85. He had been waiting patiently for five years. He'd seen other tribes and other people younger than him get their inheritance. And not once had he pushed the queue. Not once has he got bitter. Not once had he got frustrated. You know that when you're near your breakthrough, that's the time when you'll be tempted to give up. When you're closest to the breakthrough, that's the time when the enemy will want you to give up. 
when David was just days away from becoming king, the enemy came in and took away all his household, took away his wives, took away all his plunder, and all the men around him decided that they were going to kill him. And yet he strengthened himself in God, went and won the victory, and days later he was king of Judah. So celebrate when others succeed. You're calling out to God for your family to be saved. And everyone else in your life group sees their family saved and you're still waiting. Learn to celebrate while they succeed. Learn to use their success as fuel for your prayers. You're waiting for a breakthrough in health. You're waiting to be married. You're waiting to have a child. And everyone around you seems to have that happen. Use their success as a motivation for your faith. If we see ourselves as a body, because that is what we are, then every time one of us is promoted, the rest of us rejoice. And every time one of us suffers, we all suffer. So celebrate when others succeed. Turn to the person next to you and say, I love it when you succeed. That means we have to take an interest in one another. That means you have to, we have to talk to one another and listen to one another and find out about one another's lives. Because yep. we can only know about one another's success if we listen to one another. Here's the next one. Don't compromise. God had promised Caleb Hebron. That's right, did nothing less. And though he waited a long time, he didn't say, well, do you know, I, I've been waiting. You know, I, I know Hebron... Not so good. I take something a bit lower down the valley now. I'm getting on a bit. The climb is a nightmare up to Hebron. The stairlift is useless there. Leave it to some other people. Leave it to the younger folks. I'll live at the bottom of the hill. No. What God had promised him was what he went after. And he got it. Look at verse 12. Give me this hill country that the Lord promised me. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as inheritance. Now, do you notice that? The very moment that Joshua gave him Hebron, it belonged to him. It didn't belong to him when he drove out the giants. Because that land belonged to God. Do you understand? So the moment, he, moment Joshua gave it to him, it was his. If the Lord has promised you salvation for your whole house, don't settle for three out of four kids. If the Lord has promised you first place, don't settle for second. Okay? The Lord has spoken to us about reaching the ends of the earth, therefore we're not going to settle for four-fifths. If the word of God is true from beginning to end, we're not going to compromise on it. So don't compromise. Learn to live by the word of God, not by the words of men. Keep your heart right towards all people. Don't give in to fear. Keep yourself strong. Maintain a confession of faith at all times. Celebrate when others succeed. Don't compromise. And finally... See the big picture. What is the big picture, James? Funny you should mention that. Numbers chapter 14. 
Turn with me to Numbers 14. Okay. You see, what God has promised you, he will do. What God has promised us, he will achieve. And all of it is part of God's much bigger purpose for the whole earth. We as All Nations Church cannot think any less than All Nations. Begins on our doorstep and will reach to the ends of the earth. You see, God makes a declaration in Numbers 14 for the first time. And this must have rang in Caleb's ears the rest of his life. You see, he said, these guys aren't going to go into the land. And Numbers 14, verse 21, says this. Verse 20 says, I've forgiven them nevertheless. Verse 21, as surely as I live, and as surely as the whole, the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory in the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt. And then he goes on. As surely as I live, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, or will fill the whole earth, So all of a sudden, Caleb is introduced into a world-wide adventure. It's not merely Hebron. The receiving of Hebron is merely one part in God's overall plan to fill the whole earth with his glory. It's time for us all to see the big picture. God's work in this world doesn't begin and end with you. Doesn't begin and end with me. Doesn't begin and end with this expression of his church. God is a world God. God has covenanted with himself that he will fill this earth with his glory. As the waters cover the sea, he will fill the earth. So in all that we're achieving and all that you will achieve, see it in a big context, which is this. God is going to fill the earth with his glory. The countries where some of you are from, God is going to fill them with his glory. The country here where we live, God is going to fill it with his glory. It's going to happen. Well, because I'd like him to. I would like him to, but the reason it's going to happen is because he promised it. How's he going to do it? I don't know. Sometimes when I watch the news, it looks impossible. But the word of God says, as surely as I live. As surely as I live, the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As the waters cover the sea. So even when you're on a cruise on the Mediterranean, you can say, this part of the earth, (laughs) the waters covering the sea, is going to be filled with God's glory. That's why we're here. We're not here for something small or insignificant. We're here to change the world. I'm not making big statements. We serve a big God. Some of the statements I've made are tiny in comparison with God's ability. But it's time for us again as a church to put the promises of God on our lips. Because the word of the Lord came to us this morning saying, don't look to somebody else. Don't look to the power of horses. Don't look to a man. You are here to achieve something that no one else can achieve. Without you, we are incomplete. No one is here merely to fill a pew. 
No one is here merely to give an offering. Every member of this body, as every member of the entire body of Christ, has work to do to advance the kingdom. And it's time to put that upon your mouth. So that when you go out day after day after day into work or into school or into your community, you know that through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And I believe that there are people here this morning who, as I've been talking, are stirred that God has made you a promise and he's going to bring it to pass. You know that 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 you know. Is anybody here like that? Yes, good. You see, in Joshua 14, Caleb comes to a man and he says, you know what the Lord said about me and you. In other words, he'd shared it with someone, he'd made an agreement with someone, and that person said, I agree as well. And I want to give some time now for you to agree with people about what God has promised you. So I'm going to ask some people to come and stand with me. So Deborah and Andrew, would you come and stand with me? And Charles and Sean, would you come and stand with me? And Dave and Zoe's here. Yes, would you come and stand with me? And what I want you to do is if you know this morning as I have been speaking that there's a promise from God in your heart that he has stirred in you afresh, I want you to stand up, I want you to come to one of these couples and I want you simply to share it with them and they are going to agree with you. Not going to be necessarily long because they may only need to say, I agree. They may want to pray for you, they may want to lay hands on you. But we're not coming now for counsel or request. You're coming to put the promise of God on your mouth, on your lips, and we're going to agree with you.